Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So we've been doing a study out of the book of Daniel, and this is something that we, you know, we will do periodically. I will take a book of the Bible, and I will begin to, you know, just kind of go through it, you know, not not in in tremendous depth, but we'll try to, you know, pull out the things that are important in that book, you know, for us for us today. I've done it in the book of Philippians. I've, I've walked through Romans before, let's see, Galatians, I did it on Timothy once, and, um, and Revelation, and I, I, I don't know if I've done it any other times, but I'm telling you that the book of Daniel makes it so simple, largely in part because of the culture of the day is very similar, um, I, I would say that it's very comparable to our culture. Um, the main theme that I've been focusing on while taking a look at Daniel is, is Daniel himself um, was always in this constant conflict. And the conflict was this. How do you serve God when you're, when you're in the midst of a culture that doesn't want to have anything to do with God? Like, how do you remain faithful to, the, to, you know, to God when, when, the, when the society that you're in, the community that you're in, the culture that you're in doesn't want to have anything to do. So this was a real struggle. We know that Babylon seized Israel when Daniel was about 15 or 16 years old. And, um, and, and whenever they took Israel captive, you know, not only did they make the majority of the men slaves and, and even women slaves, but... but the king's court, they were desiring a few good men. Reminds me of the United States Marine Corps. All we need is a, is a few good men. They wanted somebody a little bit different. They wanted these men to be uh, uh, good-looking young men. They wanted them to have great aptitude. They wanted them to be able to learn. They wanted them to be the cream of the crop, and what they would do is they would train them for three year for a three year period, and their job would be to serve in the king's court. And so that's exactly who Daniel was. He was in that higher, you know. I'm looking out here. We got some good looking guys that you know what you may have been chosen, you know, for the king's court. Some of you didn't have anything to you didn't have anything to worry about. Like you'd never been, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have never been, <laughs> you'd have never been, anyway. And so Daniel, he was 15, 16 years old when this happened, and, and he was in Babylonian captivity his, his whole life. He was, I think he was about 90 years old. And in that period of time, from the time he was 16 till about 90, he served under four different kings, and every single king that he served, he dealt with the same issues. And the issues were, how in the world do I serve God in a culture that's drastically going away from it? And so, so this is very applicable for us today. 
How are you going to remain true to God when everything else, our education system, you know, what, what, what is acceptable today is, 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 is going away from God rapidly instead of going towards God. So how are you going to remain faithful and true? So in week number one, and I encourage you to go back to this if you've missed any of these. In week number one, we talked about how culture wants to change your identity. The first thing that happened was, was uh, these, these young men that were serving in the king's court, they were given new names. They had a Hebrew name. And then their name was changed to a Babylonian name. And how many of you know that with a name comes a new identity, right? Like names are super, super important. You know, they may not be as important today as they once were, but some of y'all named your kids after somebody or, or with a meaning that, that is deeper than just the name that they carry. And this was definitely true during this time. And so... So you'll have to go back because I'm not going to preach that whole message again. But one of the things that the devil wants to do is change your identity. I want you to know this, that you were born on purpose for a purpose. And God is the one that gives you the identity that you carry. But whether it be through hardships in life, struggles in life, difficulties in life, or the enemy lying to you, he is in the business of changing your identity. He wants to rob your identity. He wants to tell you that you're not from the head, you're from the tail. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want you to realize that, 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 that you are valued. He wants to devalue you and say that you're worthless and that you're nothing. And this is why we, it's tragic. He's pretty good at what he does, he is the father of all lies, but this is why we have so much teen suicide today, is because the enemy is so good at lying to our young people and saying that nobody cares, you don't have any value, you would be better if you, and that is a lie, young person. That is not the truth. That is not the truth. God said, listen, I have put life and death before you, and you better choose life. Choose life because he is for life. And so then last week we talked about the greatest test. And I encourage you once again, if you haven't seen this, go back. I'll, buy, I'll give you the DVD or we'll get it in your hands. But, but there is a test and there's been a test since the beginning of time. And that test is, is who are you going to worship? I always like talking to folks and they're like, well, that, you know, they'll, they'll, these are the ones that come in after you know, the worship is just coming to a close and it's over. And I just don't like that worship. You know, I'll, 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 I'll come for the message, you know, maybe a little prayer. But that worship, you know what I mean? That's just not, that's just not me. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Because, well, well what do you mean? Because you were created to worship. Like, like singing songs and clapping your hands and raising your hands and making a joyful noise before the Lord. Like that might not be, come on, your, your, your gear, your, you know, you, you know, who you are. It should be, but it might not be. But I'm telling you what, you are worshiping something. Every single person in this room right now with your life is worshiping something. And so, and so. Number two, which was last week's message, was the greatest test is who are you worshiping or what are you worshiping? It's crazy what people will worship. Some people, I made this statement, you know, you're driving along and you're just like, dang, I have never seen 
a lawn so manicured in my entire life. I mean, I mean, the edges have edges, and, and it is all just so consistent, and you see that person, you know what I mean, out there, not just, you know, with a massive broadcaster, they're just out there, you know, just broadcasting their fertilizer and putting a little seed, and, and, and everybody in the whole community knows that guy's got the best lawn of all lawns. It's crazy how much attention we'll give to our lawn. And not the Lord. Oh, well, you should see my lawn. That's not me. But it might be your, it might be your pickup truck. It might, be, it might be your four-wheeler. It might be, and I love things. There's nothing wrong with pickup trucks, lawns, and four-wheelers. But I'm telling you, sir, and ma'am, you're worshiping something. And you just need to figure out what it, what it is. And I would encourage you, make that something be the Lord. Today is the hardest message of the three so far, and we're not even done. We're probably going to go six deep into this. Dr. Dave's going to bring one of these messages. And, and anyway, we just got a lot of good stuff for us. But today's a tough one. Today, the title is this, Our Greatest Sin. Our Greatest Sin. And I would pose to you today that our greatest sin, the sins above all sins, is pride. And I was challenged in this today. That's not what it is, Pastor. The greatest sin is blasphemy. But I would go as far as to say that even blasphemy, like its root, is found in pride. Pride is whenever we come to a place of saying, God, I really don't need you anymore. God, you have not been there for, I don't need you anymore. I'm, I'm doing pretty good all by my all by myself. And so murder's not the greatest sin. Adultery is not the greatest sin. Divorce, when I was growing up, like divorce, it's pretty kosher now, but like divorce growing up, like divorce was the sin that you could never just get forgiveness for. How many of you know that's crazy? Divorce isn't the greatest sin. Pride is the greatest sin because all of those other sins, come on, have their root in, we got this, I'm okay, God, I don't need you, you could go do something else, I'm doing just fine all by myself, I don't need you. He's saying pride is, pride is an interesting thing, pride is a funny thing because all of us can say amen, but at some level we all deal with it. We all deal with pride. I'm not saying you're a prideful person. But boy, oh boy, if you think that you are beyond the reach of pride affecting your life, whoo, that's not true. I'll just even share something real simple with you. So I got this, I bought a boat from Raul Torres. Raul, just go ahead and wave. Wave at everybody. He took me out on that boat. I'm like, I got to have a boat. And the price was right. It's an older Bayliner, Bayliner boat gave me a good deal on the boat, first time I took the boat out, didn't know what I was doing, jumped out on the river in a sandbar within 1.5 minutes. <laughs> Tore my prop all the junk. I'm like, what is wrong with this boat? <laughs> Had nothing to do with the boat. So the second time I took the boat out, I'm like, I'm gonna go show off with my wife, Tina Turner on the front row. Tina Turner's in the house, he's like, yeah, whatever. And uh, so I said, babe, come on, we're gonna go, go do something. What are we gonna do? I'm gonna take you for a boat ride. 
So I get the boat all hooked up, ready to go, and we're going. I'm going to Walcott where the water's deep, and I don't have to... I don't have to worry about any sandbars or anything like that. And so we're going out to Walcott, and she has the audacity to ask me, you got gas, right? I'm like, do I got gas? In my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, of course. I wouldn't have went out the first time with gas, and I was only out there for 15 minutes. There's no way. And so I was like prideful. I'm like, of course, that's the dumbest question I've ever been asked offended until I got in the middle of Walcott and and I got engine problems not gas problems I'm walking I'm like I look at the the little thing and it's like on empty and and so I'm back there kicking the motor like what's wrong this you know these old boats you know she's like you ran out of gas I'm like (laughs) so I got, I've got an oar. I got two oars, but you think I'm going to be able to get her to work one of the oars? So I'm jumping from one side, row, row, row your boat, and then row, row, row. She is just sitting there. You know how those wives get, and she's got her leg crossed. She's tapping. She's just like, I can't bore you. You know, I, I just can't. Luckily, some guy seen me in a real sweet, fancy boat, man, like one of them $80,000 boats. He's like, look at this poor guy out there. So he comes pulling up. He's like, man, you guys having problems? I'm like, yeah, you know these old boats, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with it. I'll, I'll, I'll break out the wrenches whenever I get back. And, and I didn't tell him the whole, the whole way. She's looking at me. We get... We get towed in. She's like, you're a piece of work. And she's, and, and so, so anyhow, that was about the last time. And I sold the boat to Javier, Pastor Javier. I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm like, if I can't, if I can't get this out, two times I went out on this thing and had issues both times. And I, I don't deserve to have a boat. But pride is funny, man. Pride will keep you from, you know what I mean, just being honest and things like that. So today we're going to take a look at Nebuchadnezzar's, this king's life, and his conversion. I'm going to tell you the end of the story. He ends up giving his heart to Jesus, but didn't start out that way. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 1. i got a lot of scripture to read to you. going to go quick. Pay attention. We'll get through this quickly. King Nebuchadnezzar is speaking to the nations and the peoples of every language that live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly is what he says. And I want you to know that this prosperity is not prospering in the form of money and financial gain. What he is talking about here is prosperity of the soul. He's talking about peace and he's talking about contentment. In fact, the word is the word shalem, which is the same word that we get shalom from, which means peace. But shalem is like a deep-rooted internal peace. And so that's what his desire is, is that for all the people that live on the earth, for them to prosper, to live in peace and contentment. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. So this is a man, the King Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king, a king that has nothing to do with God, no desires for God, how he is now giving God praise and glory. Because of what God has done for him. 
It goes on to say, how great are his signs, how mighty is his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. So this Babylonian king is praising God. He's declaring God's goodness for the generations. Once again, Daniel is a prophetic book. What's so beautiful about the book of Daniel is it's historical. There's six chapters that are historical, six chapters that are prophetic. And what he is speaking about prophetically is for us today. Well, you might be thinking, well, how special are we? I'm telling you what he was speaking prophetically was for the church 50 years ago, 150 years ago. This is why this book is so powerful. It is for us today. So today, I was going to... I was going to name my message after the great Cypress Hill. Nobody knows who that is. Okay, all right. So, don't Google it. I was going to name my message Insane in the Membrane, but, but I am going to title this message just simply Insanity. Insanity. So I want to set this up real quick. King Nebi, quit Googling. King Nebi, please don't Google in church that, okay? King Nebuchadnezzar would not worship or bow to God. He was very arrogant. And then he has this dream. And the dream is this, that if he did not turn away from his sin and worship God, that he would, he would go insane. I want you to know this, that insanity is deranged thinking. Anytime we're not thinking right, what happens is, is it causes turmoil in our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, okay? So when you're not thinking right, it causes turmoil. And I want you just to look, take a snapshot of the earth today. I believe that the earth is groaning right now. Why? Because there's so much craziness going on in the earth today. And there's so much madness that's taking place all around us. And we have to ask ourselves, why is this? And where does this come from? I pose to you, not that there's one answer, but I pose to you one of the answers is because we are insane in our thinking. We are thinking improperly. And this improper thinking is coming from a, a prideful people. I think that we are more prideful today than we were 50 years ago. And I think that pride comes before, before a fall. I mean, just think about this. What used to be deemed as wrong is now deemed okay. What used to be wrong is now celebrated today. I was watching a documentary, and this was like, this was like five years ago, and it was a, I love YouTube, and I was watching this YouTube documentary on, on Seattle and how there's a mass exodus of people leaving Seattle. You've got these business owners that, you know, their, their grandpa owned the business downtown Seattle, and it was passed on to their parents in downtown Seattle, and, and now it's passed on to to them in downtowns, multi-million dollar just properties where they've, they've done business from generation to generation to generation. And now, because defecating 
in the street is okay and urinating in the street is okay and, and you've got these shop owners that go out every morning and people are slamming heroin because it's okay now and you've got police officers that are right there watching all of this all of this take place right in front of them but they have no teeth why because we're we're worried about defunding the police we're worried about we're worried about taking away any kind of authority like nothing is wrong and so they stopped arresting these people why did they stop arresting these people because within the hour they're back out on the street doing the same thing with no with no issues. You see, we have lost our stinking minds is the problem. We have deranged thinking. We are calling that thing that's always been wrong, we're calling it right. I mean, I can't believe it. And most, this is not a political message. I'm not taking a political side, but it is sickening to me how many liberal cities there are that are, that are, that are making stupid decisions. How about we return to thou shalt not kill? How about we return to thou shalt not steal? Do you know this? The mayor of New York City came out just recently. The new mayor came out and said, listen, it's okay to take a loaded gun into somebody's home. Not my home. I guarantee you this would be a bad idea. A person bringing a loaded gun into somebody's home, holding them up and robbing them, or their place of business, taking a loaded gun into a place of business. This is in effect right now. In the event that nobody is shot or nobody is harmed, that person has committed the same crime that somebody walking across the street jaywalking is committing. How crazy is this? But that's exactly where we are right now. And I'm telling you guys, I'm just telling you, listen, I got a super colorful past. Like somebody that, that, that has only made a few mistakes is not the person that's speaking to you right now. Like I have made more mistakes than the majority of people I know. And, I, and I'm not happy about that. In fact, it, it breaks my heart. But I'm saying this, that I'm not talking down to you. I'm not talking most of the things that I believe in today I did wrong at some point in my past. So I'm not, I'm not speaking like I can't believe. I can't believe that we would be like this. All I'm doing is I'm sounding the alarm that we had better change. We had better get back to the things that are important, the things of God. Because in the event that we don't, we're going to end up, the warning is this, we're going to end up just like the king in this story ended up. I'm telling you what, the smarter we get, the more educated we get, the further away from God that we get. And a lot of the time is because you and I become the God that we serve. We become the God that we serve. All right. I said I was going to teach and not preach, and I've already lost my voice. When you call that which is wrong right, it leads to insanity. And peace and prosperity come through the truth. Through the truth. So I want to share with you three things in this story that are crazy thinking. And we can see these same three things in ourselves. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 4. I, and this is the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. Now listen, I love this country more than 
I think this is the greatest country on the, on the planet. I really do believe that. I love this nation. I'm glad I was born here. Happily put on the uniform of the United States Marine Corps and fought for this nation because of, of what it is that we believe in and, and what we're for. But I am also sharing with you that historically, something that is, that is ironic is this, that, that it, when prosperity is on a territory or a nation, most of the time it's not handled properly. See, prosperity, number one is this, prosperity always leads to contentment. If you're a business owner, or let's just say you're just starting out in business, and you're like, you're working that business. You're getting the word out. Man, you're treating your clients well. You know what I mean? You're going above and beyond. You're doing great customer service. You're following up. You're always figuring out how can I serve their, them better. Like, like when you get to that place where you would say, wow, I am finally successful, and then if you get to that place and then you let off the gas, you're not going to be successful very much longer because you have to maintain the, the same thing that got you to where you needed to get is the th same thing that is needed to keep you in that place and to sustain you. And so, and so prosperity, it leads to contentment. And God becomes the God of the fire alarm. You know, we only call him when we're in need of him, right? We only call him when something is broken or we only call him when we get the, when we, you know, we've got a sickness in our body or we only call him when we've just lost our job or we only call him. And, and then, and then it doesn't mean that he's going to work things out exactly like we expect him to, but that causes issues. But then we're like, God, where are you in this? And God's saying this. He's like, I'm all the way back here where you, when, remember when things were going really well? I'm all the way back here where you left me and I ain't gotten anywhere and I'm going to help you and I'm going to come back. But, you know, it, it's just wild how we just, we kind of push him away and, we, and we're, we're okay by ourselves for a period of time. So my question to this is, is can we be prosperous and stay close to God at the same time? Number two is this. Insanity happens when we're self-reliant instead of God-dependent. You know where this shows up most of the time is whenever there's a prayer meeting that's called. It shows that whether we're self-reliant or God-dependent when we're asked to pray. Because most of us, boy, we really go to prayer, right? Whenever there's something wrong. Man, my wife is going to leave me. My husband's going to leave me. You know, my kid's in trouble with the law. Oh, my God, we got to pray. We find our knees, like, really quick. We got sickness in our body. You know what I mean? COVID, the pandemic hits, and, and, and we've got some other issues, and we're worried about these comorbidities that we have because, man, if we get sick, then it might be the very thing that kind of takes me out. And so, boom, we hit our knees, right? What happened 9-11-2001? Let me tell you what happened in Caldwell, Idaho, in the church that I went to. The Sunday after 9-11-2001, we had more people in that church than we had ever had in that church. And guess what? The next Sunday, we had more people in that church than we had ever had in that church. And then the third Sunday, we had more people in that church than we had ever had in that church. And the fourth Sunday, it went way back to how things had been a long time ago. There wasn't near as many people in that church. 
I'm just saying, what's that? Yeah, tragedy can bring miracles, you bet. And, and we have no problem finding our knees and, and pursuing God whenever things are outside of our ability to control it. But at the moment that we think that we're in control, what do we do? Now nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to go on to, you know what I'm saying? You know, or we have a little bit of God and, and, and a lot of ourself. And so, so my question here is, is, can we pray when everything's okay? Can I declare dependence on God even when I don't have any major needs? I want you to think about this, that prayer often will reveal who you are by showing you who you're not. Prayer will reveal who you are by showing you who you're not. And I just really felt like when I was putting this together that I was going to be speaking at least to some folks that have forgotten who you were. In fact, there was also a... a, a, a story that kind of came into play. I'm going to give you just the short version of it. But when I was back in, back at the other church before we moved out here, there was a guy that, uh, the, this guy was an influencer. You know, it seems like that's a big word these days, an influencer. What I mean by influencer is this guy had a bigger than life personality. And, um, and it seemed like when he walked into the room, he is one of those guys that just kind of demanded respect from everybody. And he wasn't demanding it. It was just given because he, was, he had an anointing to, to draw people you know, to himself. He always had a story, a big story, you know what I mean, to tell. He always had some insight. And he was a very, very successful business, business guy. And, and, uh, and, and, and the Lord gave me some insight. I, I knew this guy. I was close to this guy. But about five years into knowing him, the Lord gave me some insight. I began to observe that, wow, this person never really goes deep in the spiritual aspect of things. Even though he played on the worship team, he was a big part of the worship theme, and he always had an opinion about something. But he never, he always kind of kept at an arm's distance whenever it came to things like prayer and, 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 and fasting and like the super spiritual moments, like when things could get uncomfortable with the Lord, like he was, he was not part of that. And the Lord just revealed to me that the reason why that was is because this man, his dad was a pastor and his dad's dad was a pastor and his dad's dad's dad was a pastor. And this man had a call on his life to the ministry the insight, we never even had this conversation, but the insight was this that I really felt like came from the Lord, that the Lord was showing me that this guy saw just how mean and ruthless people could be to his dad, to his dad's dad, and probably his great-granddaddy as well. And he grew up, you know, with the blessing, but also saying, I'll never do that with my life. But this is the problem is there was an anointing and a call on his life to do the very thing that he was spending more of his energy to run away from, come on, instead of embracing. And, and, and probably even to this day, he's running, he's running away from that. But I'm just telling you, if the Lord showed me anything, Come on, it showed me what he was supposed to be doing. But prayer will often reveal who you are by showing you who you're not. And I feel like some people are in dangerous territory right now because you are running away from who you are or you're at least, you're at least trying. And I just want to remind you of the goodness that you've seen the Lord do in your past. Doesn't mean your life is just, you know, all rose petals and, 
in gumdrops, but I'm just saying that God has been faithful to you and remind yourself of his faithfulness. Verse 22 out of uh, chapter 4 says this, or it, I'm going to set it up just real quick. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He sees this giant tree over, over Babylon, and there's a lot of fruit in the tree and a lot of, lot of birds in the, in the tree, and it's bringing a great deal of blessing to the country. And then the next scene is, is the tree is just cut right off. It's just cut off, and it's just nothing more than a stump. And, uh, and he... This king Nebuchadnezzar goes to his magicians and all these soothsayers and all these different these these uh, astrologists uh, astrologers and and what does this dream mean? Not can't can't interpret the dream. Comes to Daniel and Daniel interprets the dream. But this guy's desire is is that this dream is because the tree was cut off. He was hoping that it was about his enemies. Daniel in verse twenty two says this: Your Majesty. And I want you to know this, that by Daniel approaching the king with such boldness, he says, listen, you're the tree. That could have, that, the king could have said, off with your head. And so Daniel was bold saying, listen, you're wondering who this is about. It's about you. This is about you. And, and he says, uh, you have become great and strong. And I just want to encourage you, if you are prideful and you think, man, look at this business that I have built Look at this wonderful house that I live in. My truck's bigger than your truck. You know, when you start thinking that you're something, I would encourage you to come down from that place. And so your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw the Holy One a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump Bound with iron and bronze in this grass field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals seven times or seven years as they pass by for him. Verse 24, this is the interpretation, your majesty. You will be driven away from your people and will live with the wild animals you will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with dew from heaven. Literally, I want you to know that King Nebuchadnezzar went insane. Seven times or seven years will pass by before you. Number three is this. It's part of the scripture. Seven years will pass by before you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over all of the kingdoms. You know, it's insane when we take credit for things that we did not do. I'm encouraging you that if you're in a person, you're a person of influence, you've got people working for you, somebody comes to you and they say, wow, man, you guys really did a great job. Gary, I just can't even believe how much you guys have, have grown. And let's just say your growth came from an idea that was not your idea. Like the best thing that you could do is like, man, thank you so much. We've got the most incredible team. But let me tell you where this idea came from. It wasn't me. It came from Austin or it came from it came from Danny or came. You know what I'm saying? Like this came from that. And so so it's it's crazy when we take when we take the credit for something that we had nothing really to do with. 
And I just want to say, live your life in such a way. You know, people say all the time, man, Pastor Travis, it's, it's incredible. Come on, what, you, what you've done in building that church out in Rupert. I'm like, I ain't done nothing in building the church out in Rupert. Uh, this is God's church, and anything that can be called good is only good because God is good. Amen? I'm just telling you, it's a slippery place whenever you start thinking that you're something more than what you than, than what you really are. And God doesn't mind you being successful and sharing some success, but he's saying it is a fool that thinks that he got there by himself or she got there by himself. When we don't acknowledge the source of where all good things come from, it is insanity. And boy, is our world filled with that today. So to avoid the Nebuchadnezzar experience, be grateful, be thankful, and be content wherever you are. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says it great. What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why do you act as though you've accomplished something great on your own? So I want you to know this. Even when, the, when you give the tithe, and I want to say once again, thank you for the faithfulness of the people that are in this church. But do you really understand this? That even the pen that you use to write the check to give the tithe, that belongs to God. That house that you are so blessed to live in, the business that you're able, you know what I mean, to manage and run or to work at. Come on, that is a blessing from God, Right? I've shared this a hundred times. If I've shared it once, some of the most brilliant people that I've ever met are in third world countries that, that had they been given the opportunities that we're given here, they, they, would, they, would, they would go a whole lot further than where they are, but they're limited where they are. And I'm just saying that you are blessed to be a blessing. There's a purpose. Come on for what it is that God entrusts to you. Daniel chapter four and verse 26 says this. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. And so three mistakes, and then I'm going to move on. We're going to close this thing down. We're going to go to lunch. Okay? All right. Three mistakes. You think you're self-sufficient. You need to be God-dependent. Number two is you have an attitude that says, look what I've accomplished when you need to approach God and say, man, thank you for being better to me than what I deserve. Number three is very serious. Nebuchadnezzar thought he ruled. So many people think that you rule. You would never say I'm the God that I serve, but people live like it all day long. And I'm just saying this, that heaven really rules. And so arrogance in our society, I want you to know it stinks. We think that we know more than God knows. We literally try to legislate and debate things like identity. We try to legislate and debate things like life or death. We try to legislate and debate things like marriage. We like to legislate and debate things like sin. You cannot legislate morality, but once again, I'm encouraging you, if you start getting confused if something is right or wrong, I want you to know that you serve a God that does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while you might think that his thinking is outdated, it is not. Let me just ask you this. If we are so smart, shouldn't we be doing so much better? 
Like if we're so smart, shouldn't we be doing so much better? We have so much division in our world today, and I will tell you that my belief is, is that it is intentional division. I think we have been, we've gone backwards over the past 10, 15 years. It used not to be this way. And I'm telling you, the days ahead are even going to get more rocky. And so listen, this isn't to freak anybody out. I remember going to church services thinking that Jesus was going to come back and I was going straight to hell because I wasn't ready. That's not what this is. But I am telling you, it is really time for you to evaluate your life and just find where is the Lord in my life? Am I a person that seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else finds its place? Or is God a portion of my life? He's just a portion of my life like way down there. You know what I'm saying? And if you've got children, like your children, this was a prophetic word that I feel like the Lord just kind of put on my heart. Your children may be the generation that as you hand the baton off to your children, they may be the generation that carries that baton across the finish line as we know it. And so how you raise your children, not just what you teach them, but how you lead them and what it is that you show them. Grandparents, let me talk to you. This isn't just the responsibility of the parent. Grandparents, the, what you're doing and, and, and the time that you're spending with, those, with your little grandson, your little granddaughter, as they continue to grow up, like you teaching them and you leading them. And if mom and dad... Aren't, aren't taking them where those boys and those girls need to be taken. You be the one that takes them where you be the one having the conversation because they need to be raised, come on, with some foundation up under their feet because my Bible says that in the end days, in the last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can, that means the very elect people that you have known that have walked with God for a long time. You're saying, man, they will never be shaken. Those people are going to be shaken. And you're going to look up and you're just going to be like, dang, where's, where's sister so-and-so? Remember when we used to call people like sister and brother? Where's sister so-and-so? I haven't seen her in a while. Well, man, she just got kind of discouraged and, and she doesn't even know if she believes in God anymore. And I'm telling you, if it can be shaken, it will be shaken. And you need to stir yourself up in your most holy faith. Remind yourself, come on, how good God is. Doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. But I'm just telling you. All right. Good news is, is when we return to God, this is good news. Somebody say, whew, good news. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Isaiah 66 and verse 2 says this. These are the ones that I look on with favor. Those who are humbled and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. You know, I really feel strong about this, that we have to live our life because we're navigating. Can, I'm just going to be honest with you just real quick. There's about five things that I'm going through right now. That, that, that I'm going through with people that are going through hardships that make no sense to me whatsoever. And if, boy, if I could change it, I would change it. But I'm telling you, even in the times where we don't understand, 
If we can be the ones that say, God, I'm going to trust you anyway. God, I trust in your sovereignty anyway. You are God and I am not. Like we have to live in that place because I do believe that whether it's in this life or the life to come, your eyes are going to be open. Like right now you see dimly through a glass, but then you're gonna, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to see exactly why God did the things that he did, and it's going to make sense. And how beautiful is it, just like Thomas, you know. Great are those people that, that you know, trust me because they put their, their hands in, my, in, my, in the holes in my wrists and in my side, but how much greater is it to those that believe and did not see? Amen. That's talking about you, and it's talking about me. Are you ready to bring this thing to a close? Somebody say Amen. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture, we're going to pray, and we're going to be done, okay? All right. How sanity is restored. This is the good stuff. Daniel 4.27. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity, that same, it's the shalem, it's the peace on the inside, your prosperity will continue. Verse 28, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, but he didn't listen. See, I'm sounding the, warn, the, 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 the alarm, the warning this morning. The warning this morning, that's good. I'm, I'm sounding the warning this morning that, listen, we got to change some things. we got to get back to the basics. We've got we've to get back to just falling in love with Jesus and making him a part of of our lives, like a central part of our lives, we gotta get back. But even though I'm sounding the alarm and I'm getting a little bit passionate up here, I know this, that some of you, you're just gonna be like, yeah, well, he, he was sure angry about something today. And it's not gonna be sticky and it's not gonna hit and you're gonna go on and you may not come back, I don't know. But, but he didn't listen, Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen. Verse 29, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? A little bit of pride there, right? Am I not wonderful? As these words were just yet still on his lips, they didn't even have enough effort to get beyond them. As they were on his lips, a voice from heaven said, King Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live in, with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. And seven years is going to pass until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone that he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and he ate grass like a crazy man, like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. He was living out in the rain until his hair began to grow long like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Verse 34, go all the way down to verse 34. It says this, at the end of that time, at the end of that seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I raised my eyes to heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the most high. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. See, he was saved. He was converted at that time. 
the, the God of Daniel became the, the God of this Babylonian king and he surrendered his life to him. It goes on to say his dominion, God's dominion is eternal. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Or why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me. For the glory of my kingdom, my advisors, all the people that used to follow me and I had influence with, my nobles, they sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than I was before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all of his ways are just and those who walk in pride will be, will be humbled. I'm telling you this, it's better to humble yourself, right? than to have the Lord humble you because he'll, he'll do that. In fact, that's number three. Number one is this. How do we have, you know, how do we prevent from, from growing long hair and, and claws, you know, on our, feet, on our fingers and our feet? Number one, we worship him. I want to encourage you folks. Listen, let's be a church that really worships God. You know where worship comes from? Worship comes from a heart of appreciation, of honor, and of thanksgiving. Once again, not to beat a dead horse or anything, but I'm just telling you, some conversations that I have with people is like, well, you know, I'm just not all about that. Well, guess what? It's not about you. It really, it really isn't. Like, God is the one. People will ask me... It, periodically man it's just really distracting when we're singing and all of a sudden you're just like you clap your hands like three times why do you do that like and you can tell there's are you just wanting like attention do you need somebody to sit with you or something like no man i'm clapping my hands because god says clap your hands and i and i make a joyful noise because god says make a joyful noise i lift my voice because the bible says if you won't worship me and praise me i'll cause even the rocks to cry out you see it is complete arrogance when we come in here and i'm just like some of you you might be new and you're like man that dude was harsh today i'm not being harsh i'll give you some time but i'm just saying when we think that worship is about us, we've already started on the wrong foot. The reason why we worship is because of him. If he says, listen, stand on one leg, touch your nose, you know, bend over like, like, you're, a, like you're some sort of a bird. I don't, I don't know, that's weird. But anyway, if that's what he says to do, if that's what he says to do, then ought we not do that because that's how he wants to be worshiped? See, we make worship about you and we make it about me. I didn't like that song. I really liked that song. I felt the presence of God. No, you felt a song. You should have felt the presence of God because you were focused on God. Because you were lifting him, lifting him up. If I be lifted up, the Bible says, I will begin to draw the hearts of men, women, and children to me. Come on, it's time to, it's time to shift the focus from me to him. It's time to shift the focus from you to him. Amen? And this is another thing. I'm just going to give you an extra little tidbit. I've been thinking about this. I'm going to put a message together one day. But I'm telling you, we have been conditioned to do things like everybody else does things. 
in school, what do you do? You're going to school, your first time kindergarten. School is like these rows right here. Everybody's got their space, they got their place, they're in line, they're in order. Keep your hands to yourself. Quit messing with Johnny. Don't touch him, don't look at him. Everything is orderly. Honestly, I wish if we could figure out a way to be comfortable in this place, I would love to get rid of every stinking chair in here and let our worship be about just walking around. Let our prayer be about walking around, people lying on the ground. Not crazy, not weird, but I'm telling you that God has created you with creative power. I was in a, in a, a little bit of worship, a moment of worship. I'm not going to say when because you might know who I'm talking about, but I was in a moment of worship and everybody around me was just singing the same. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. We're all sitting in our own little place and facing, we're being good little boys and girls and everybody's just singing the same. And I just got this, this, this moment where it's like, man, if everybody is doing the same thing, where's the creativity in that? Where's the texture? Where is the, where is the, where's the thing that Doyle brings to the table that's going to be different than what I bring to the table? Because he's here and I'm here. We should, it should be better and more, there should be more texture. There should be, there should be deeper levels because now there's two. You add another one. What are you bringing to the, Tony, what are you bringing to the table? You better bring something. Don't just bring what I'm bringing because then there's not need for one of us, right? And that's just, that's kind of a business thing, but that's not, but I'm just saying that how about we tap into the creative power during our worship. And if you feel like clapping your hands, clap your hands, even if you miss it and you mess it up. If you feel like exhorting, Matt does a great job of this, just kind of exhorting in the, in the middle when there's an instrumental. It's like, man, I love you, Lord. It's amazing what in the middle, whenever there's nobody saying anything, but he's just playing, he's playing. And somebody says, man, I love you, Lord. Man, God, you are good. And now you've got texture, you've got layers, you've got somebody that is contributing something other than just everybody taking their own little space and place and and, and singing the two or three harmonies that we've all learned? How about somebody giving a woo? How about somebody saying, yes, Lord, I'm just gonna praise you and jump up and down a little bit. I pulled something, stretch out before you do that. But bring in, not weird, not just to be, not just to be weird, not just to, but just to, like, if it comes out of a place of worship and appreciation, give it to God. Give it to God. Use it. I believe that there's a day, amen, where we're going to have more freedom and we're not going to be as limited as we are today. And I want you to know this, that I don't know why we're limited, but I know this, that it could possibly be because of a little bit of pride. And not pride in that I'm better than everybody, but pride in, oh my God, what if that person that I think is better than me if they think I'm strange? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. I'm, I'm closing, I promise. Number two is this. Acknowledge that God does everything right. He always does everything right, even when we don't 
understand it. I even wrote this down and then I was like, that's not enough. And so I said, acknowledge that God does everything right. And then I put always, always, like he always does everything right. He doesn't do everything right. Most of the time he always does everything right. And so stop trying to figure God out. And I know that this is easy for us to do because you have real stuff that you're going through, that you've gone through. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Stop trying to figure him out and stop trying to put him, limit him to your situation. Instead, do what you have to, to stir yourself up and say, God, I don't get it and I'm hurt and I'm stinking mad even, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Get back and you will begin to see the hand of God continue to move in your life. And the third one is, I already said it, uh, walk in humility. If you don't humble yourself, the Lord will. I speak through experience. He will humble you. But if you humble yourself, I want you to know that you can expect for God to elevate you. In fact, this is one thing. Because you guys are better than first service. But I want to tell you something just real quick. This, this is a position that I want you to start getting comfortable in. Not just finding your knees. That's hard enough, right? I want you to start taking yourself to the very lowest point that you can possibly take yourself and begin to exalt God from that place. You humble yourself. You exalt God from that place. And whatever it is that you took down there with you, I promise you, it's going to be easier to bear when you stand back up again. Amen. Guys, that's all I've got for you today. I want to say I love you. I encourage you really consider these words that have been shared read the book of daniel see what it is that god will show you he's got something special for us but i'm telling you there's a warning that is being sounded it would do great it would do all of us great if we would just adhere to it this isn't a warning to make us scared no man we are we are the church right we are the bride of christ we are the bride of christ we are sons and daughters of God. We ain't got nothing to be afraid of in Jesus' name. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.